was thinking about that time when you were nine, when you were skating and you fell through the ice. You know, I, um, I don't really remember a lot of that, so. You don't? Oh, I do. I wake up dreaming of it sometimes. One second you were there, I turned around, and boom, you are gone. Under the ice, current took you. I had to run on ahead of you and try to break through with an ice axe. I kept hacking until I got through and then I pulled you out. Then on the way to the hospital, I knew I had to keep you awake. Just keep you awake. Felt like we were driving for days. I, just, I was family stuff, right? Fucking family. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. It's about time uh, people started acknowledging, I think. <laughs> it's about time people started paying. Um, as far as. Yeah, I hadn't gone that far with it yet. To be honest, I had I had looked. I wasn't looking to monetize admiration just yet. But you're right. Why? Here's what we, Duncan. Here's what we yes. need to do. We need what to do, do a masterworks do? class. Ted talk. Uh, yeah, something that people got to pay for. You know, put it behind a paywall. Maybe we just OnlyFans this shit. Hey, listen, it could be the way forward. Can I can I ask you uh, a a serious but stupid question <laughs> that I, do, I I genuinely don't know the answer to? <laughs> yes, please, by all means, ask me a serious. Um, what question. is sex? No, what do I? <laughs> do you do you have to be fucking to be on OnlyFans? No. Can you? Okay, because no, that's no, no. the only connotation I hear it. In. <clears throat> no, so. Like OnlyFans, like inherently has become the way that all things on line and press and media go. Uh, inevitably, they go towards sex because that you know that's what our brain thinks of like ninety percent of the time. Um, but no, originally I think it was just for a way for specific people to own control of how their fans interacted with them. Okay. And I think that's the original premise for it, but I think very, very quickly adult entertainers were like, hmm, like, I could use this. There are, like, musicians, um, actors and actresses, um, authors, I think, have OnlyFans where it's, it's like, like almost like a Discord thing in that it's like people pay uh, and their, their tier gets them access to Q&As, like, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think those people make nearly as much money as those that are very attractive and get their breasts out. Um, but yes. So is it just being naked or can you fuck? Can you go that um, far? I, I believe that you can go full penny on it. Okay. Cause see, to me, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Like, I, I, there are certain, certain porn stars do. And the only reason I know this is because I was listening to a podcast recently where a porn star was interviewed about you know myth myth busting in the industry, how they got into etc cetera, etc cetera, longevity and stuff. And basically, what they were saying is, as it stands just now, 
it's kind of never been a better time to be a porn star and that you can sign with a production company, you can sign with an agency, and you can do all those movies and make like money for doing those movies. And then you can have this complete side hustle that allows people to see behind the scenes of basically what happens. But then moreover, on top of that, you can get like like connections between other you know, adult entertainers that are also on OnlyFans. So they can kind of cross cross right. the stream, so to speak, sure, of their things. Sure. So you pay like a higher premium for them having sex with people that they've always wanted to, you know, almost pairing up dream matches of stuff like that, so they make a fortune from it. So, yeah, which is kind of great because that that industry in particular is only in the last what 10 15 years kind of started to like get its act together. Um, in terms of better pay, better representation, you know, and like more transparency on the studios that actually do what they need to do, and g- giving those people the opportunity to actually take control of how they are perceived, consumed, etc. online is is a huge plus bonus. Yeah. Um and obviously the pandemic helped. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, well and and I think there's something immediately satisfying. And I I don't mean just the sexual way, but like mm-hmm. there's something ab- about like if you are really into a guy or girl mm-hmm. and are like, I just want to see them fuck. I don't care about all this other stuff. Yeah. I just want to see them, you know, yeah, you remove it the, or like, rubbing you, it you or remove the remove the story, do whatever. Yeah. Basically, the the modern this is now the modern day equivalent of phone sex, telephone yeah, sex. Kinda, people, yeah, people used to phone into um, it was like adult entertaining channels that would run at night, and it was basically someone on a cam, and they would take calls and do certain things. So it's basically that. That's they've, they've just moved it to the internet and monetized yeah. the fuck out of it. So. I, yeah, I like last summer, I kind of went down a weird rabbit hole of uh, like that kind of thing on Twitch. Yeah, and, like I wasn't subscribing to a bunch of like girls in pools and stuff, but mm-hmm. I did look at a bunch of channels because I was like, is this really all it is? And it kind of is, but like you said, it's sort of phone sex because it's like people in chat being like, hey, I, I did this many likes or I did this many yeah. referrals or whatever the fuck. And so now yeah, you're going to put your name on my Yeah, so um, I think there's you're talking about instant gratification. Mm-hmm. In terms of if they're watching someone have sex or play with themselves, whatever, and then instantly that person then says their name. You know what I mean? That's like it, it, like it's it's essentially breaking the, the mm-hmm. kind of fourth wall for them. As a, a so you're not it's it's all it's not quite you in the fantasy, but it might as well be um, because they've just like so the, all that stuff. I think it's and the thing is they build um, like from from what was hearing in that um, interview, like they build communities around it. So that they're being paid, yes. And all the rest, but it's not a case of they're they're viewed it purely as a source of income. Those that are mm-hmm. paying the money in, it's actually they build their own community because they understand that's their fan base, and the more engagement they have with their fan base, the more their next video that comes out or the next production they do gets a lot of buzz online. That boosts their online presence through Instagram and Twitter, which you wouldn't think would need to be a thing for adult entertainers, but it is. Like the higher the profile, the more likely are they're going to get better offers etc more interest more digital presence online and all the rest so it kind of all goes hand in hand 
but they they have whole production like like the um the the woman that was being interviewed says that she hires she does very 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 well um it's, it's <laughs> like, it was like about i think it was like 90 grand a month is what she earns just off only yeah. only fans and that's enough to employ her i think it's her little sister um to do all her online presence for her like full time so our, our sister does all our social media so she employs her from that money and she has a team of two people that she films that she trusts who do all the like set decoration filming for all her scenes and all the rest so she actually is in a weird way she's providing jobs so yeah yeah i mean i you know look i i think you and i are both of the mind that like you know sex workers are certainly providing a service and it's legit oh god yes yeah, yeah, yeah um so yeah it i i'm kind of glad that in a weird way it, it's shaken out like this because mm -hmm. that way they're protected too and it's not like you know going out to meet some high roller like for five grand a night like i'm gonna fuck yeah. this porn star it's yeah like, oh well, there's, keep your five well, there's grand. Also, like I yeah, can make... yeah and there's no protection over that you know like all, all the rest it's all it's all secure um and i think that's it's kind of awesome yeah yeah that seems real smart by the way this is duncan Bo come correct um, <laughs> <laughs> if you had noticed emphasis on the come yeah duncan and Bo, <laughs> correct that's how it sounds when i work I it's supposed to be that noise yeah um, yeah i think it's probably not probably not that's it means is like a like a, a cartoon spitting <laughs> Wow, it's got velocity. That's what I like about it. It's, I mean, really, really quick. I, I was going more for the aim, but like, yeah, velocity oh, yeah. work as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, look, I, I am a terrible aim at anything I do, Duncan. <laughs> consistently Con bad. Consistently bad aim. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter in what context. Um, <laughs> oh man. but uh yeah so here we are we are on the the penultimate episode in fact we were just talking about how uh, neither one of us has got to episode six yet and the internet hasn't spoiled it, it which yes. i will give them uh, uh, there's a lot of people on the internet that didn't like it but then there's a lot of people just in general have not liked this season but like according to the critics the critics think this thing lands strong and moreover Borans, though. Moreover, Moreover yes. on that, um, the numbers were so good for this season that HBO opened that checkbook and said to Issa Lopez, do you want to do a season five? And she has said yes. So she will be returning season five, making that bank. And I'll tell you right now, that makes DBCC very fucking happy. Yeah, we are definitely pro Issa Lopez yeah. around these She's, <laughs> she's um... <laughs> it's just a ton of articles uh, coming out right now about um <laughs> about Nick Pizzolato and his his mini Instagram um rant he had when when the thing finished about how they destroyed everything, blah 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 blah. And there's just loads of articles coming out just they just said, if you'd forgotten, I know he was away for a little while, but Nick Pizzolato, kinda a dick. Um, and then there's just articles going back over. Well, he said this at this point. He was this about this. Um, so yeah, he he's not happy that this season um, did much better numbers than any of the seasons he was in charge of when he was at HBO. 
Yeah, well, I mean, look, it was a great cast, and, uh -huh. uh, you know, Issa Lopez is a great director, and it's really moody, and it, it had people doing what the first season did, which was speculating and talking about it, and, you know, that's... That's just in a different medium now. That's yeah. the thing. Like when when True Detective came out, we hadn't fully really jumped on the HBO has its own channel online. Mm -hmm. You know, twenty thirteen there was there wasn't really anything like that out with your Netflix. Um, in terms of dedicated streaming sites, um, and now we have that, so audiences can you know interact with things either on your conventional television or check it out on their streaming channel on their computer or whatever however they're consuming that which is going to help the numbers but the, the biggest thing is like who is executive producer of true detective season four nick pizzolato mm. so I, I he's shooting himself like if i work for hbo why would i ever hire this guy to do anything for me again in terms of running a show or pitching a show or anything when he is basically verbally trying to massacre the thing that just did record numbers um on our channel and you never burn the bridge even when you get to the other side of it because you may have to cross it <laughs> so right you're right right it, i mean that it, that feels like a bear i like i know he's not a young man but that feels like a young man's move of just like yeah. ah fuck him and you're, it's like, no, man, there's a way to be political about this where you yeah. don't shut that door. Yeah, and never shut that door. <laughs> right, right. Like, even if he didn't like the season, he's still getting that paycheck. And, like, don't be a hypocrite. If if, if that's how he feels about it, make sure you're returning the checks. Yeah. Even you know? David Fincher went back to work with the film studio that destroyed his love of making his very first movie, Alien 3. He went back and worked with them 20 years later. Even after he said he would never work with that studio again, he would never fuck it. Like, it was the most miserable experience. He his name off that movie, etc., etc. He did go back 20 years later. So, like, like it's not... <laughs> there's only so many places you can eat. So, you know what I mean? And I, I just don't... I just don't get it. But, yes, both myself and Bo have been champing at the bit to get into the finale. Can't mm -hmm. believe it's almost here. But what we were saying before we had record was... After seeing this episode, I'm I'm just going to flex. We have been right on so many of the things revealed um, from almost episode one or two. Mm. Um, a lot of it we've hit square on the head. And um, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just going to say, we've still seen the ending. More people still on the table. Absolutely. A hundred percent they are. <laughs> um, as well as, as crab people. Who would live in tunnels under the ground, Bo? There is a callback I've got for this episode, as a matter of fact, that I was really happy. <laughs> Don't call it a callback. Uh, yeah, well, I've been here for years, baby. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so let's talk about some movies, good and bad. Um, the, uh, if you don't mind, I want to kick us off with a good. Please do. Just because I watched it last night, and I'm still I'm still high on it, Duncan. Ooh. Still feeling the, the vibe. Um, <laughs> I rewatched <laughs> re uh, Darkman. And oh, Darkman is so much fun. Dude, it is such a good time. And it's it's such a great period of Raimi where he's still got the evil dead running through the veins. Yep. And <laughs> run him through my veins. <laughs> I can't get him out. Um <laughs> but at the same time, you can see the glimmers of, you know, Spider-Man and all the stuff that came after. Yeah. And it's it's a really nice interstitial kind of film for him. 
um, where it's still just grungy and B movie as fuck, but it it has all the trappings of the big budget stuff that he would go on to do. And yeah, I I had so much fun with it. It's kind of mean spirited and oh, it's hugely mean spirited. <laughs> um, I mean, look if if you cannot enjoy Liam Neeson prancing around in that movie when he's like come and look at the freak and you're just like yeah. man you are going for it i love well, this is liam, a liam neeson you rarely see you uh, like it's, it's full gonzo liam neeson and i fucking love it within a couple of years of making this movie he plays rob roy mcgregor in the movie of rob roy and it is the most sobering portrayal of a scotsman you will ever see and before he's he's like fucking he's <laughs> He fucking breaks a guy's fingers at a carnival to get a teddy bear. It's, man, that scene is so goddamn good. It's because it almost has like a creep show level of like red backgrounds and. Oh, it's it's, still on. It's still on. Man, I love that movie. It is so good. And I mean, it's completely not a perfect movie. Like it's Mm. got all kinds of flaws, but there's just so much spirit to it. And. The moment when the Oldsmobile shows up with the Coen Brothers driving it, I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's such a movie nerd kind of movie. I think uh, I really dig it. It's so good. Um, but, so that's my good. I like. I look. We can go on and on about Darkman if you want, but everybody's seen it. I just yeah. my enthusiasm was overflowing, and uh, I I could not resist giving it that shout out. <laughs> Uh, my good, my good is one that I'd seen before, but I watched recently on a work trip, and um, it filled up a, a very easy what two and three quarter hours, and it uh, reminded me why whether you like him or you loathe him, and we spoke about him recently, Bo, um, there is absolutely no dispute in that Quentin Tarantino reigns supreme above everyone. I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, so um, good. And it is, well, that's maybe my seventh time seeing that movie now. And it's just aging like a fine wine. Yeah, that that is rapidly climbing the list for me of my favorite Tarantino films. I think it might now be my favorite Tarantino movie. It's real goddamn good. I mean, much like The Holdovers, when I was describing that movie to you, of like settling into like an old comforter of a movie, Mm -hmm. and and that's how I I feel when I watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's just. Like, oh, let me just let this movie just wash over me. And, you know, the, the only time that I even perk up from that days of good movie making is the scene when Brad Pitt is climbing the roof. And I'm just yeah. like, go fuck yourself. Like, you yeah. can't. How do you look that good and you're 73 years old? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think we mentioned it when we first spoke about it as well. It's maybe the only movie where the filmmaker can have the audacity to have a five minute scene of feeding a dog and you just roll with it. You're like, I could watch him. I could watch him wash the dishes. I can yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. I mean, there's that, the bit about him kind of controlling the dog, which pays off later, Yeah, but it's just watching handsome ass Brad Pitt smoking mm-hmm. a cigarette and feeding his sloppy ass dog. And <laughs> Like, yes, I, I wish this was my life. I wish I could just come home and this is what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, oh. it's absolutely excellent front to back. So that that was my good. 
I, I'm the devil and I'm here to do devil shit or something. Guess <laughs> the face wrong. <laughs> it's he really does and like in this and I, I I remember like all the criticism which seemed to miss a point in the movie about like the way he cha- like changed history at the end and all the rest. Right. And like, they missed the point that what he's doing is he's declawing uh, a, a thing that like still looms very large over America. It was like the, that that was that's what destroyed quote unquote the summer of love. That was that was the end of it. it like the free love movement died the day that Sharon Tate died. And he declaws it by making them fucking imbeciles. <laughs> like like yeah. just absolute fucking morons. And he does it like it's the same way in Inglorious Bastards he makes the Nazis like notwithstanding Christoph Wolf's, but mm-hmm. he makes like Hitler and all that, like just fucking idiots. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's really uh, yeah, it's really yeah. really good. And it's a it's a fairy tale. Like, the whole point is like uh, the whole point. Yeah, like like movies are magic music. and fairy tales, and this is a fairy tale version of that, and where the good guys win and everybody get, like it's it's his most upbeat, optimistic movie that he's oh, ever uh-huh. fucking done. Yeah. <laughs> And, and maybe that's what people bristle at. They're like, ah, I wanted everyone to die. You know, yeah. um, where's Jennifer Jason Lee murdering everyone? <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So, all right, my bad. Look, I, th- again, this will come as a surprise to no one <laughs> who's ever heard me on a show ever. <laughs> I don't need your oh. pity. <laughs> Go on, bull. Um, but I like a good creature feature. And I even like a bad creature feature on occasion. And I somehow or another, I had never gotten around to the sequel to Blackwater, the killer crocodile movie called Blackwater Abyss. Yeah. Uh, It's not good. No, it's really not. (laughs) Like all... And okay, but but the reason... It's It's frustratingly dumb. Like really... Right, and all the characters, like all the shit about, like, uh, you know, I'm pregnant. Oh, but I yeah, didn't know. We're having an affair. You're fighting for your life. Who gives a fuck? Like, deal with this shit later. Wait till you get home. Pass the peas, Donna. God damn it. Donna. Pass the peas. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was real stupid. But the... Oh the reason to bring it up is just to do um, a shout out for a much better crocodile movie, mm. which is Greg McLean's Rogue, which oh, is Rogue's. a great killer crocodile, legit movie. great movie. Yeah, like doesn't we we don't have to deal with a bunch of who fucked who, who's having <laughs> an affair bullshit. It is just crocodile v people, <laughs> and crocodile wins a lot. And that's what I want out of those movies. Like, why Why did they always screw up the recipe of like, well, we've got to make people care about the characters. No, I don't yeah. even care about the characters. All I need to know is why they're there. And then seeing them struggle will make me like them. So, yeah. yeah anyway, that's my bad. Uh, but also a good hidden inside. Like a little a little nougat center of my bad. Mm. What, what What's your bad? Um, so I um finally got around to some. I have a Shudder subscription, right? Yeah. And I am absolutely fucking terrible at using my Shudder subscription. What happens is I forget I have it, and then there's a movie that gets a bit of traction, and then I'm like that. I should, I've 
Do I still have my? Oh, I still have my. Oh, I should go and check it out. Uh, I somehow completely missed um, the fact that VHS eighty five came out last year. Oh yeah. Now I didn't hate VHS. What was it? Ninety nine or whatever it was. Ninety four. I thought it was ninety nine because it like it set during Y two. Okay, sure. Isn't it? One of them is. Who cares? Like who cares? (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not um, who carried you. It's just like there's yeah. there's like thirty of these movies by now. So yeah, well, I, I remember kind of thinking it wasn't ter- was it like one or two segments that were just like inherently shit, but all of them have that. But there was a couple that I thought were pretty cool, including the one that um, the one that was set in hell. Um, oh yeah, 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 the one that but it was the... directed by the dude that did the found footage movie that was fucking great yeah um, i can't think of the name it's not deadstream but something like that deadstream that's okay. deadstream right. deadstream yeah so the the the, the guy that did deadstream. so that was really good and i want to see there was it was an internet based one or whatever it was like the, like a lot of it was good right but mm-hmm. not all of it there was a, a vampire one that i really liked um and then the rest was throwaway and um so i i'd somehow completely missed the fact that 85 had come out and uh david bruckner did one i like yeah. david bruckner as a director scott derrickson did one mm-hmm. i like scott derrickson i was like i'm gonna check this out piece of shit um front to back piece of shit just it i don't know not good. I, no it's not and I, I think the problem was that the tone is all the same throughout it and the tone is pretty shitty um like there wasn't any that I necessarily felt tried to do something substantially different from any of the others. Like they all seem to kind of the the problem is they all end kind of the same way, mm-hmm. which is a, a trope with the VHS movies. Is they all kind of they're all kind of trying to make mini found footage movies, and they all end on the tiresome found footage sort of way. Um, yeah, it was a slog. It felt like I felt like I was watching it for like in between recordings here for you. Like, like it probably went on for days. Um, yeah. And I think there's another one coming. I think like because Shudder now, I essentially think own VHS, the rights to it. They can just churn them out every year now. And I don't think that's necessarily a great idea. I think it's bloody disgusting who owns it. And yeah, well, that's has even- got to deal with. Yeah, them, I think. that's even worse. Like at, at this point, like just, uh, just put it to bed. I think we've had enough. Yeah, that's Scott. It it feels like the Scott Derrickson was really the the thing in it. I mean, it, it's the longest by far. Yeah, and and feels like an actual like short film. Yes, uh, and not I, I, a like, great in, one, but in principle, it has a cool idea. Yeah. Um, I just think it. I think it isn't aided by the fact that it's not really got enough time or money to flesh it out in any fully meaningful way. Mm. And it cuts a lot of corners. And then I'm just used to, to me, Scott Derrickson is just a bigger director than that now. And it's kind of great that he wants to give something back and do something short form. But that dude commands huge budgets now. So he should be off commanding huge budgets black phone was a great fucking movie um you know what i mean like that that's what he did prior to this and i can't equate the two because one is he very well made like really well acted really well put together adaptation of a joe hill novel and this is 
beneath him. Although in saying that we're getting a black phone too, I don't know how that works, except it made a lot of money and it's just a bad idea and I probably won't enjoy it. But um, yeah, it was really bad. I, I, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, it, yeah, that, that's a real crap outing. <laughs> that VR one is especially like, what? Do, why are we even wasting our time with any of this? Like, this yeah, is... the, the VR one is is just basically an exercise in like, can I kick you in the testicles again, please? Oh, 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 <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, right. Yes, there's a god in the VR. The computer. Oh my god, computers are aware of us. Like, this is the tiredest ass shit. <laughs> Next to be making movies about bad AI, Bo. You know I, mean? I mean, all those positive movies on AI at the moment are just really just the, the AI narrative is being skewed. <laughs> just so stupid. Anyway, all right. So let's get into this episode, Duncan. We yeah. got, we got a lot of material to cover here. There's tons of things being tied up, and then there's a lot of things being kind of set up for this uh, final episode. Yeah, yeah. Um. So we open on, like, wh where we left it last time was mm -hmm. at the place where we see Navarro with <laughs> yeah. blood coming out of her ears. It's like, total oh, cliffhanger. What yeah. the fuck is going on with Navarro? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, and that is largely never discussed. No, because we, we jump forward six days. Yeah. It's like that. Nope. So I don't know. I'm kind of hoping, I'm in two thoughts about this. I'm kind of hoping that in episode six, we fill in some of the blanks there. But then I also think I, if it was super important, they would have covered it in episode six, even if it was a callback to a previous conversation. And maybe it's just not that important. Like, because our ear, eardrums were bleeding, but they appear to be fine now. So, yeah. And, you know, and there, we know that there are degrees of this because of something we'll get to later. But we'll, so we'll yeah. put a pin in that. But so that's not where we open, though. We open on the cremation of Julia. Oh, fuck's sake, yeah. <laughs> and as she is being, like, burned, uh, placed in this rock machine to, you know, turn it all into dust and and put it in an urn and then just hand it over to uh, Navarro, who, like I said, you know, seems totally fine at this point. And the, the most brutal moment of this for me is when the woman says, um, careful with that, it's hot yeah it's like oh what in the fuck yeah <laughs> couldn't do anything to kill it you know like blast freeze it or something before we hand it over we had to hand it over still smoldering yeah. awesome and her kind of like blowing on yeah. it a little bit was a little in poor taste i thought she said and i was like oh that seems heartless really she was wearing her Peppa Pig oven mitts. I mean, that was that was pretty bad, Bo. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then she drops it. Oops! Oh, oh! But it's sealed up. It's fine. Yeah. Kicks it, bending over, and yeah, it's, it's a, a giant real... dent in the side of the metal. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you ten bucks off. <laughs> On our, our scratched and dented <laughs> she, she says before she offers the 10 bucks, that almost never happens. <laughs> Don't tell anyone you were here, okay? Um, <laughs> so. Oh, we're going to hell, I mean, Bo. We're going to hell. <laughs> Danvers, meanwhile, 
is at the hospital where, where you know they've brought Otis Heiss. And she's told by the nurse, like, hey, you can't talk to him for more than about 10 minutes because he's detoxing. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he, he likes to, to ride the pony. Mm-hmm. And um, so we do get an interview, though. It's Danvers uh, talking to uh, Otis. And it's like, you know, tell me about Mr. Clark, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> and he, he's like, I didn't, I didn't really know Clark. And, uh, but Clark came to him. Mm-hmm. because he had survived whatever happened right and we're, yes. we'll get into that the the night country shit um but he says clark wants to know how he survived and he's like and she's like well how did you survive dr lecter yeah. and he's like do you think i did like my eyes are all <laughs> well, his eyes and- are all <laughs> got a wash case of withdrawals his yeah. eyes are fucking white he's like his face is all narrowed he's right. and he says like fingers. my ears have gone to shit yeah yeah, and... yeah i'm doing fine like <laughs> this oh. guy here shagger shagger's doing fine right now you know what i mean god's been a real pal to me <laughs> he threw a truck <laughs> sorry oh <sighs> <laughs> we've got a we've got a couple of opportunities to do some can, dead zone riffs. We need to, well, they're remaking it. Uh, if you've been following the news today, I I saw that. So who who's directing? Did we did we the the, the studio of put out options for a remake of the Dead Zone and a remake of American Cycle, which are two bizarre titles yeah. to be picking, and that's the only two they've announced. Um, so I, I curious. Dead it's... Zone makes sense to yeah. me because of the political climate. I think there's loads you can do there with that one. American Cycle less so because I imagine if they're redoing that, it's still set in the eighties. Like Brett Nellis has yeah. like I mean, a tight grip to. on that. You're gonna have to do that. And it's always going to be compared to Christian Bale. And I'm I'm sorry, Christian Bale is Patrick Bateman. Having read the book, Christian Bale is Patrick Bateman. And I don't care who you put in that role. It, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. What if they bring him back for it? He's just older. <laughs> I would watch that. Um, he'll never do it. I, you know, like, the, what, what happens if they bring... What, who's, who's in the second one again? Mia I forgot Kunis. one. Yeah, what, Mia Kunis yeah, is still yeah, yeah. kicking. She could yeah. come back. The, the Although she did kill, cast. she did kill Bill Shatner, so yeah. um, he won't be coming back. No, um, <laughs> it's going to be a long, long time. <laughs> but, so, yeah, that, but yeah, yeah so there's not plenty of opportunities about the ice is going to break. Um, yeah, uh, very pointedly. But yeah, and and so Danvers is like, "Tell me about the Night Country, Doctor Lecter," and he's like, "What? I don't know what you're talking about. I was <laughs> fucking stowed out of my balls and." <laughs> Uh, and, he's, <laughs> and she says, "Well, you were saying something. She's awake." Yeah, and he's he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." That's uh, Clark had said that to me, and that you know, Danvers has the flashback of of her kid. And uh, I've read a really interesting theory about the the visions that people are having. Oh yeah, is it because yeah. of the toxins? That's what I've been reading. I, could I, it? Could I, it be? I I had the, I haven't. I literally have not read this. But yeah, this has been my like the like, thing about like oh people see dead people around here. Yeah. It's like oh well, 
the water's bad. Shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the water's bad. That's, you know, like it's your body having a weird side effect uh, and trying to work itself through. That way, like, when you eat some really bad, like fucking Indian food or something, mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you basically, you see things you're not supposed to see because your stomach is is ruined and your brain is trying to put you in some sort of meditative happy place so you don't have to go through the pain that your body is now racked with. That was the first one. The second thing that I I read, which I instantly disproved within three seconds of just, I don't know, having watched the show, is that Rose isn't real. Um, She's a ghost because only Navarro has actually spoken to her. Back to be, yeah, but that's it, I thought about that earlier, but that's not yeah, the case. I can't, it can't be, and you want to yeah. know why it can't be well, because, she the... yeah, she called in the yeah. bodies. <laughs> like, and it was the first thing I like when I read that, I was like, that, but she called in the bodies. So I actually physically went back to the first episode, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, she called in the bodies, right? Yeah, so I just think people are reaching, Bo, they're reaching, Look, they're not, it, they're not grounded in their investigation like we are, and we will prove it as we review this episode and call it all the things that we got right from the start. Yes. I mean, look, we are scientists, if nothing else. <laughs> Science. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he eventually tells the story of like why Clark wanted to find him in the first place, how he got mm-hmm. hurt. And there it was, uh, they were fucking around in the ice caves. Yes. Uh, he and a bunch of, you know, other men. Uh, and there was a collapse. And so some men were trapped inside Heiss and a bunch of other dudes go for help. Mm-hmm. But as they're leaving, the way he puts it is like, you know, we heard a, a moaning and everybody started to go towards it. And I ch- chased after him. And then she, she's like, and then what happened, Dr. Lecter? <laughs> and just on the edge of her seat. Quit pro crow, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> what happened to you after the ice cave? And uh, and he's like, I don't fucking know. He was like, I woke <laughs> up and my eyes were fucked up. My ears are, are jacked. And she's like, are you kidding me? And then she literally looked at the camera and was like, are you serious? <laughs> it says in the background, well, that, trust the process. Trust the process. Yeah. And so she shows him the this map of uh, the area. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, the... <laughs> Cave's entrance is here, but you can't go down there because of how how thin the ice is. And what could happen, Duncan? The ice is gonna break, right? And so she she says, "Well, don't worry about that, Doctor Lecter, because you're coming with me." Yeah. And he's like, he's "What?" Like, to well, the, shit. <laughs> the only way I'm coming with you is if I get well, well, yeah. wink, wink, right. <laughs> And she's like, I don't understand what that means. Get my medicine. Medicine. Yayo. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Gank. (laughs) Clean burning propane. Yes. Yeah, I have that written into my notes, by the way. Of course you do. Uh (laughs) So... (laughs) Navarro is waiting in the truck and uh, Danvers gets in and is like, hey, we're good to go to the entrance of this place. I've got it on the map. And she's like, are you up for it, Dr. Lecter? And Navarro's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm good. And she looks back and Danvers looks back and in the back seat, like with the seatbelt buckled over it is the urn. 
Yeah. And she goes, do you want to talk about it, Dr. Electra? <laughs> and uh, Navarro's like, nah. And she's like, all right. And then they just go. But it's a nice moment where it's like, mm-hmm. I, if you want to talk about this, we can. She's just like, nah, I don't. it's not worth it right now. Let's just move on. With like her. She is she is putting a lot of personal shit on hold till she solves this case. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it's going to come crashing down. Oh, yeah. She is going to need some time off. Um, mm-hmm. So Pete gets kicked the fuck out uh in the next scene and that's really all that happens but he gets kicked the fuck out like and to be honest the previous conversation we saw which was apparently six days ago he basically yeah. said to his wife like you blame me for having a kid and tying you down to this life which i mean that's never like i'll be honest that's never a, that's never a great thing to say to your wife who is desperately trying to sleep right 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 uh yeah let, let me go after the, the very nature of your existence right now <laughs> yeah it's yeah not great not great pillow talk um so anyway back to the truck where <laughs> uh danvers and navarro are barreling across the frozen tundra and navarro points out like that all the caves are in silver skyland mm-hmm. and then after that we have another kind of personal moment where she's like hey i, I meant to ask how's leah doing and uh she's like she's just doing this to piss me off dr lecter and she's like well <laughs> yeah but you know that there's something wrong with the, the water and she gets defensive in a way where she's like i know i know you know yeah. where she's like i understand how bad this is but again we've talked about this right like yeah her- she's she is following annie key's footsteps and everything danvers tries to do is just pushing her further along that way yeah there's a Leah has a uh, surprisingly good evaluation of her in this episode that we'll get yeah. to, but I really like it. But- well, Leah, like the roles are like Leah has the adults part in the conversation between the two later on. Yes, and you're just like, what, like how, how? <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, so they're going to, uh the entrance of the ice caves they're mm-hmm. on their way meanwhile speaking of leah cut to her with her girlfriend yeah uh, as they are at a protest and she's doing like the the streak of black across the mouth and they're grabbing picket signs mm-hmm. and they are they're ready to do an old-fashioned protest duncan yep um so then we check back in with denver danvers and navarro who make it to the entrance of this cave only to find that it has been completely covered over. Yeah, and, and like, the people in the town of Venice miles away can hear Navarro's reaction where she's like, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> she loses it on the ice, man. It's Yeah, it is truly one for the ages. She yeah. lets it go. And Navarro, like, storms back to the truck all pissed off, and it's just, you know... Ma- you know this is just their luck right like every every time they get a lead it it gets shut down i mean it does look like it's been deliberately closed oh absolutely they they say like it looks like it's been blown shut yeah so then john hawks in a really nice moment this whole sequence i think is really good where john hawks who previously in one of the episodes uh they pete and i think it's pete and danvers uh are talking about how it's pete and leah oh okay pete and leah about uh, how different their parents were before them right 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 and and pete's talking about how he's never heard his dad play music 
Mm-hmm. And sure enough, you know, because he's kicked out and he's got his bags packed, he is going to his dad's house. And he stops outside because he hears him playing and he just stops and listens to him play this incredibly depressing song. It's the most depressing song. This might be why he never made it as a musician. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every time you listen to one of his songs, you were like, I can't listen to any more. I, re- you know I anything? Do you know anything upbeat? Yeah, of course I do. God has forsaken me. <laughs> right, like the the opening line is like, "There is no God, and we're all fucked." <laughs> and you're like, "Wow, this was that written by Tom Waits?" <laughs> there is no God in this old town. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh man, yeah, but like he's um, so he's he's playing that, and yeah. um, Pete stands outside and and kind of takes it in and listens to his dad doing. This song is interspersed, like it's played over the the background of basically like how fucked Ennis is as a place, like the the disparity of what is going on in this town on this night is absolutely incredible. But we see lots of stuff to do with the protests specifically. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's it's miserable. And like, take it from um, if you take it from like John Hawke's point of view, he literally has <laughs> his mail order bride, which we find out may have been financed for from hush money. I mean, that's he says I have none of that money anymore, mm-hmm. and it makes you wonder how long's that hustle been going with that mail order bride. And how much money is he giving away to her? Um, like, he, what's he spending his money on in Ennis? Nothing. Right, right. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, so can't, I mean, it's booze and... Yeah, you know, so like all this blood or... money, all this, and we'll touch on what the blood money is actually for, but all this blood money is essentially went on someone who has catfished him. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'd be singing the blues as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, of course. Um, yeah, he has not had it well lately. And um, we also, as you said, there there's some stuff with the protests going on mm-hmm. where um, we see the security and the protesters start to get into it a little bit and the cops are on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the, after uh, Hawks gets some play in, Pete calls him from outside yeah. and is like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, uh, Kayla kicked me out. And, uh, he I was looks wondering... weirdly pleased about that as well. As if to like my son's in misery with me or, you know, like, you know, like you're having, cause he, he smiles when he says it in a weird sort of way. Oh, that's terrible. Oh no. Yeah, and and I mean, I think there's a little bit of misery loves company, and I think he's just yeah. lonely, you know. And if it means that he might be getting some company, then you know, all the better. Um, but yeah, uh, Pete uh, lies to him. Is like, hey, I'm five minutes away. Do you mind if I stay at your place? And, yeah, I say, you know, ask him what he's been, what he's up to. And he says he's been working on his truck. Yeah, won't. Yeah, doesn't even admit he was playing his guitar. Um, yeah, it's oh, that boy. What a fucked up family. And, and <laughs> it's gonna get worse, though. It is. It is definitely getting worse. <laughs> They're gonna look back and call these times the good times. This, these were the good old days, Duncan. <laughs> um. Yeah. This. Oh, this is all gonna go so so bad. 
Um, but yeah, uh, so back at the protest, things are really getting violent. Mm -hmm. Navarro and the cops finally show up. Um, as Navarro is wading into things, by the way, she sees another ghost of Annie Kay. Mm -hmm. And then, um, we go to, uh, Leah's point of view, who is getting like hustled by another cop. It's the, yeah. the same one that was hitting the girl at the uh at the open of the show you know the yes. one at the cannery or whatever uh working the cleaning crew and um anyway he's going after leah navarro tackles him leah yells for her girlfriend who is like fuck that and takes off yeah which is like she, she no support at all and leah doesn't just like run away from this cop this cop fucking wails on her like yeah two times with a with a big baton right across the top of her head right into her ribs um and navarro obviously runs across manages to save leah mm -hmm. uh, whilst pissing off this cop and um yeah like i, I mean danvers doesn't want to say i told you so but but kind of yeah you know i mean but she did see, like, is that thing of fuck around, find out? Um, uh -huh. <laughs> like, you don't fuck around with the police. Don't fuck around with the 5 0 -bo. You know, I mean, ju just continuing with that, because they're in the car together. There's a great moment where Leah is like, how come you you weren't there on our side? Whose side are you yeah. on anyway? And Navarro is like, oh, fuck, you're making me side with your mom, and that's not the position. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and leah finally is just like take me home and navarro's like uh i can't really do that yeah um uh because like, danvers has basically told her bring her in yeah and yeah. uh leah's response to that is fucking pigs all of you yeah uh which is you know hurtful um mean meanwhile uh, we'll we'll kind of mush these back uh these two scenes together because Danvers gets a call from Doctor Who saying, hey, I need you to meet at McKittrick's office, the lady from Silver Sky. Mm -hmm. And uh, Danvers is like, what's going on, Doctor Who? And he's like, just be there. Yeah. And she's like, oh, fuck, this doesn't seem good. Uh, but she gets a reprieve because Pete says, I've been doing a little digging around. And remember that Tuttle Institute that we mentioned couple episodes ago that the internet went mental about and um, well turns out they're actually owned by a company that's owned by a company that's owned by a shell company that is actually partners with the main company right. and guess who the finance remember everyone the Salal station, which means there is a direct connection between Salal and the mine, which, by the way, I think we called on episode two. Yep, a hundred percent. As soon as it happened, it was like, oh, okay, well, so as soon as they mentioned uh, the Tuttle group, it was like, oh, yeah. well, it owns both of them. Yeah, and we were right. So. Yes. Yeah, because well, we're very smart. Oh, we're, and we're going to be saying that a lot moving forward as well, so mm -hmm. let's uh, let's just try and keep it in check. Well, um. <laughs> so there's a, there's a personal moment between danvers and pete where she's like did you did you know that she was going to be at the protest dr pete and yeah. he's like no 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 i i didn't know anything that was going on because i got kicked the fuck out yeah and danvers is like oh well uh do you have a place to say dr Lecter?" yeah and he's like uh look 
if I stay at your place, that is a fast track to a divorce. Yeah, that's so, a divorce right there. Right. <laughs> um, like, read between the lines. You might be the reason that I can't go home tonight. Right. And while Pete is laying all this information on the, the stuff we just talked about, that is where uh, Leah is brought into the station. And, like, Danvers literally turns her back to her. Yeah. And um but yeah, yeah leah, wa- leah walks up to the front desk spits blood on the counter and says just give me my fucking phone call right because if you're gonna do that in a movie do it then uh-huh you want to fly danvers <laughs> <laughs> i want to fuck with you sam <laughs> it's instantly quotable uh-huh. like you get me on a robocop kick we are going to be here all night <laughs> like, all night danvers leave <laughs> oh one of my favorite moments happens here in this whole episode when <laughs> when um pete is walking off and davers is like sorry about the divorce dr lecter and he's like it's not a divorce and she's like whatever like he <laughs> has zero belief that anything is gonna get worked out here she's just like oh you're fucked yeah yeah <laughs> also i've got a key i'll give i'll give that to you later don't you worry about it right now <laughs> that's like i like once again i've i've read some things that have talked about the uh, dissatisfaction that some people have with the writing in this season and i just don't get it because that specifically in this episode everything is paid off like all the everything that's set up is completely paid off and it's paid off in a way where i was like that just Oh, chef's kiss. Chef's yeah. kiss. Yeah, I right. I I really enjoy uh, doing this with you because it forces me to go back and watch it a second time and mm-hmm. very critically. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, man, this really does hang together real well. Well, I, really... like, I think this is the thing people forget is like in the previous seasons of True Detective, they're focused on two the two cop leads. Mm-hmm. This season is juggling about four or five storylines, intricate with characters, and it is paid off. Like everything they've set up from almost episode one, or introduced as episode one, is even just a slight discussion point, is either paid off in this episode, or I have to guess will be paid off um, in the finale. But it, it, the, like the the writing in it has been like, especially this. Like, who is this actor that plays Pete? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Him, but he's great. great. Yeah, he's absolutely brilliant because he's holding his own against like Academy Award winner fucking right. Jodie Foster. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, it's nuts. Um, yeah, it's so good. Um, so speaking of, Pete goes to go uh, check on Leah, mm-hmm. who is you know in her cell. Nobody knows the trouble I've been. Nobody knows. <laughs> running across the bars <laughs> um <laughs> it gives her it gives us yeah. now down 40 year since uh anyway so yeah well the thing is like there's a there's a high probability that like danvers keeps her in there for forever <laughs> yes it, it left to her devices yes yeah. <laughs> Because, Dan- yeah, Danvers is a real tough love kind of person. But this is yeah. the scene that I was, I was talking about where there's a really good, I think, evaluation of her. 
where um so pete gives leah pepsi and leah's like i don't like pepsi you know uh I, I don't like pepsi and he's like there there was no mountain dew in the machine shut up and they're they talk about how like her girlfriend sucks and he got kicked out and then leah tells a story that kayla told her mm -hmm. about pete where yeah. when you know back in his high school football days when he was in a big game and he's like oh is it one you know where i won the game and she's like no actually you lost the game because you were you know playing linebacker or whatever and kept falling down and this guy kept getting past you and later on we found out that his you know mother had had a stroke or whatever it was and uh she was like so you you let him beat you and he's like nah i didn't do that and she's like look just don't let danvers ruin that person yeah and this is the lie I love where where she says she's not good with people she cares about. Yeah. And it's a perfect encapsulation of Danvers because Danvers definitely cares about Leah. It yeah. just does not have the emotional capacity because of all of her trauma mm -hmm. to express that. And yeah, it's in a lot of ways Danvers is a really um a really tortured kind of character yeah and i think there are odds that she does not make it out of episode six. Oh, i was going with navarro oh uh, i think it's more likely because i think navarro seems too likely to go down that road and i think it's in my mind at least it's danvers sacrificing herself for navarro and for ultimately leah through navarro all right so i i have it in my head that like Danvers is refusing to listen to the ghost that has something to tell her, and Navarro is weirdly listening to the ghost that wants to take her away. So, mm. interesting. Okay. Well, we'll see. Where you look? Yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't. We stop on this. As soon as we hit stop, we're finding out. We're um, finding out. But so, um, it's interesting that both of us think that somebody dies yeah but they're not yeah. both making it to the end that's interesting uh navarro tries to talk danvers out of holding uh leah in the cell <laughs> and that uh, went well didn't it yeah right she's just like stay the fuck out of my business uh quit quit fucking around in my shit basically <laughs> is what she says and but then uh danvers tells navarro like all the or answer the file that uh, pete gave her mm. and she's getting dressed the whole time because she's like i gotta go meet dr who and mckittrick uh dr lecter so i'll be back in a little bit you just keep my <laughs> shitty daughter in in the jail cell um but uh anyway so danvers is off to silver sky mm -hmm. where she busts in it like just storms into this place, like she yeah, totally, like every every place that Danvers goes, she walks and like she owns it. Kind of why I love her as a character, right? Like, but everywhere know, to, to borrow like a poker term, she thinks she has the nuts, right? Like she thinks that I don't think she, she doesn't in this. Like I like I I think I I think I once again reading like some of the the reviews for this episode, I actually think I think she's rusting coal in this situation. I think she realizes halfway through this conversation that yes. she is not holding all the cards. And I think she then 
basically please the rest of that conversation to get as much information as she can without giving anything else huh. out. Okay, all right. Because the- I think cause, like the the start of the conversation, like she to like she's just she's like full of piss and vinegar with them. Because right. um, the I'm, first thing they do is they show her the video. They're like they're they're, yeah. they're like the reason we called you here. Yes, is because this video you and Navarro are in Silver Sky property. What the fuck are you looking for? Yeah, and she says, "Well, you know, we had intel, Doctor Lecter, about the area," <laughs> and she's like, "Uh huh, uh huh." Who gave you that intel? Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, Otis Highs, uh, as it happens," and she's like, "Huh, huh." Well, there's good news. Yeah, we've solved the mystery, and she's like, "Oh, is that right, Doctor Lecter?" Yeah. <laughs> And, and this is also coming from McKittridge. Yes. And not coming from Doctor Who. Like, she is not the police, right? Uh-huh. And he is the police. And she is basically saying, this case is closed. Yes. Because what, what she says happens, and this goes back to the Dyatlov Pass yes. stuff. But they say there was a slab avalanche that all the guys had gone outside to see the last sunset of the year. And and got hit by this avalanche. Yeah, we we out and like they just decided to walk for miles. Right, stop um, everything to, they were doing and yeah, walk to out a flat and, area yeah. which didn't have any hills around it at all, and were hit with a avalanche. Which I, I mean, I'm no like volcanologist, um, but I am fairly sure that an avalanche rolls downhill. Bo. Um yes, yeah, and weird. Danvers is pretty quick to say, fuck your weather event. She does. Is... <laughs> Ugh, Just God, <laughs> and I mean, it's so inappropriate and it's completely the wrong move yeah. to make. Plus your boss is there. <laughs> right. Like it is wildly out of line. <laughs> it's not the most out of line thing she says to her though. Yeah. She's building up to that. So yeah, well, oh man. <laughs> She does go nuclear at a certain point for no reason. Like it's a real. This is what makes me think the nuclear option is a distraction. Yeah. So anyway, so she then kind of lays down her cards about the connection between Tuttle and Salal and Silver Sky. Yeah. And the insinuation uh, that she's making is if you have an environmental, you know, geological survey team there that's basically there to identify how pure the ice and the the you know surrounding environment is and it's owned by the same company that owns the mining company where the locals are saying the water's been poisoned maybe a conflict of interest right and what happens though is mckittrick is like hmm, that's interesting i'll certainly look into it but you know with a company as big as ours it you know there's no conflict of interest because one hand doesn't really know what the other's doing most of the time anyway they would give money to lots of different yeah and, and so. it really diffuses, like, there's no, nobody was like, oh, you found us, yeah. you know, it was just like, yeah, okay, so what? And yeah. she's like, well, but that's wrong. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. Does, but... <laughs> and then this is where she pulls the nuclear option. And I think this is so she can get out of there. Yeah. Like, get she... out of there on a kind of, let's just, like, like, get out of here on a kind of, let's just get her out of here. So I think, but she does. She pulls it. She pulls the pen and the grenade right in front of her. Yeah, where she's like, "I'm, I'm sorry, your husband's such a bad lay." And immediately, Doctor Who is like, "What the fuck are you doing?" 
Like he is shocked, genuinely shocked. Like what the fuck? <laughs> it is such a great reaction from Christopher <laughs> Eccleston. He is just like jaw dropped of like yeah. It never entered his head that something like this would come out of her mouth. And oh, yeah, interesting dynamics in this one. He's a police officer. She's a police officer. Yet he's sitting on the other side of the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're interrogating her. And that that would never fucking happen, which makes me wonder: is she contributing to the upcoming mayoral campaign? Yeah, or is he just a useful idiot? Or you know, I mean, how many police officers are in? Because we're about to get the reveal. We are moments away from the reveal of something I called right back in that first episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But how many does she have? In our back pocket. How many? How many does McKittridge and this mining company? How many police officers do they have? Because he's not even based in that town. He's based in Anchorage. So, yeah. yeah the, I mean, the only reason he is there, as a matter of fact, is because of what's going on with Silver Sky. Yeah. So, so. I mean, he had like again, he had exiled her. Is the way they put it, Danvers. Yes. So this is a, an ass out in the middle of nowhere uh place and uh, not a place you would expect him to come unless he is there to come and, yes uh, uh, <laughs> uh or or deal with uh mckittrick but anyway yeah. so when when mckittrick leaves jody foster still seems to think that he is kind of on her side he's she's about to find out very very quickly that that's not the case right because well, she's like impassionedly telling him look this cave is where annie k was murdered the two cases are linked the stuff with you know salal and annie k all of this is the same thing we've just got to figure it out um and then dr who is like so uh what about the wheeler case yeah when when, when were you going to tell me about this right this suicide this supposed suicide and there was no suicide was there and she's like where did this come from? And yeah. and then he's like, look, the case is closed. Be smart for once and just go home to your daughter. Mm. And, and so all she fucks. Yeah. Well, this is, this is his, this is him trying to pull the nuclear option. But once again, like we know where this goes, which makes me like, she, she kind of plays this out to, to narrow it down. Like this information could only have come from one place, right? Yes. So she she walks us out once again to Danvers credit. She's like ruthlessly smart. Um, even even the explanation of what happens in the the Wheeler case is ruthlessly fucking smart. It just took a like ace cop who whose wife had flung him at the house to crack it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was one of the assumptions we had made. Um, was that essentially Hank knew, mm-hmm. right, and had covered it up. What we will find out is Hank didn't actually know, but Hank is, is what's the word she uses? Not as stupid as he acts, right? Um, and and has done something that has basically given him the leverage that he needs to fuck with Danvers. 
Right. Well, and that is the next scene where McKittrick and Hawks are meeting kind of in her car out in the middle yes. of one presumes nowhere. Like this is real secret clandestine meeting stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, McKittrick says like Danvers is not letting this go and she cannot find that cave and Heist can't take her there. Do you understand yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like I'm going to press lightly on your foot. And you say I will take care of this. Well, the thing is, the thing is, I like she. There's a, a, a great, great part of this interaction where you get the feeling that McKittridge doesn't really know. It's not that she doesn't know what she's asking; she just doesn't understand the logistics of what she's asking. Because, like, he's like that. I can't just, I can't just kill a guy. Like, I just, like, I can't like. Right. I can't just like, I can't just do that. And she's like, "Well, he's a like he's a drug addict. Maybe he has an accident. You know, like he gets lost, right? Like, yeah, maybe maybe he gets lost. These things happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, uh, and, and he's like, just listen, you owe and like we paid you a lot of money that time that you did that thing for us. And he's like, that listen, I haven't. There is no money left. There is no, I haven't. Like, you didn't pay me enough, and there, none of it left. Which like I say, makes me think he spent all, all on his catfish Russian bride. Um, and, and he was supposed to be chief of police. That was the bargain. That was part of the deal as well. And of course, like McKittry says, well, how was I supposed to know that Danvers was going to be, you know, like essentially cast out and, and ostracized up here? How, like, I, I, there's no way I would have ever known that. But it falls into that play of... the. Uh, like I mentioned right at the start, why did he have the Annie Key case files in his house? Mm-hmm. Right, it's because he's doing the mines dirty work. We also said that we felt like he probably wanted that job or had had that job. No, he pretty much had that job, um, and he's in full support of the mine. He's been basically tidying up for them or looking the other way all the way through it. And yeah, McKittridge basically said, you know, like go forth, get. And he's like, well, I don't even know where he is, and he's like that. Well, follow Danvers. I mean, like, do I have to do your job for you as well? Do I physically have to do this for you? Like that. Follow her, she'll take you to him, and then sort this out, Um, which will come into effect at the end of this episode, which I have some strong takes on the end of this episode. Oh, okay. uh, And I'll be interested to see if we read the room the same way. All right. Um, Yeah, one of my favorite moments in this whole back and forth with Hawks and McKittrick is when he's like, Look, I've never killed anybody. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. who said anything about killing? I said kill. <laughs> I didn't say, like, how does he kill? <laughs> I, never, I never said it. You never heard it. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. No, sir. Ba-ba-ba. Just going to make percussive noises with my mouth. Right. <laughs> uh, we cut over to Navarro, who has some Japanese uh, horror movie ghost hair. Yeah. Her, her washing machine at the laundromat which is unfortunate i hate when that happens it's terrible you know right. like you pull it here you pull it here and then all of a sudden sadako comes out <laughs> right, right. Ah! oh what is this little kid meowing at me for jeez <laughs> i've got company coming over did i buy a grudge house yeah <gasps> Tired of all your grudge ghosts. <laughs> there has to be a better way. <laughs> as soon as you cross the threshold, you are damned for all eternity. But that doesn't mean your guests have to be. 
<laughs> Keep those spooks at a respectable distance with Grudge Away. <laughs> Grudge Away. <laughs> take it from take it from this user <laughs> that is one freaky kid <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, oh anyway so while while she's <laughs> dealing with grudge hair in the laundromat uh kavik finds her along with his pal and he's like hey this buddy of mine can identify that spiral on the stone. Yeah, the stone that you left at my house? Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, no shit, let's have it. And all of True Detective was like, no shit, let's have it. And he, yep. he's like, oh, it's a marker that hunters use for places where the ice will swallow you whole. And also, you know, he, he reveals that people in the area have referred to those um ice caves as the night country yes and so interesting interesting theory online about the spirals is that the spirals and true detective go the other way hmm. so um the 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 insinuation is the spirals and true detective that go the other way are about ascension and the spirals that are in this one that go the opposite way are about descending Hmm. Okay. All right. Or one is a war a warning, the other an invitation. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. How very Lovecraftian of you, bro. I know. <laughs> uh, so no, Navarro busts in to tell Liz about this, and Navarro's very excited. Where she's like, "Look, Liz, we've cracked the case. <laughs> we, we, can, we it, it, they call the caves the night country. We can crack down into them from above." And the whole time, uh, Danvers is like, it's over. It's over, Dr. Lick. <laughs> We're being shut down. And go on now. Go on. <laughs> go on now. <laughs> and uh, Navarro's like, fuck that. No, we'll do it anyway. And finally, Danvers is like, Dr. Who knows about Wheeler. Yeah. And she's like, oh, huh. You know what? Fuck that. Who cares? Let, let's get down there anyway, and we can find DNA and or whatever we got to go. This is our time. This is the, the time to, to do this. we got to strike. And Danvers is like, just refuses to. It's just like, go home. We're done. And Navarro very pointedly says, all right, well then, Annie K is yours now. You get yeah. to carry that burden. So you're leaving her alone down in that cave in the dark. And she's yours now. Yeah. And... All off Navarro goes. Two, by the way, let Lee out. That's her other yeah. like. I'm gonna <laughs> stick it to Danvers here. And she lets Lee out. And Lee Leah asks, Did Liz tell you to do this? And she goes, Fuck Liz. And yeah. Goes, all right. All right. I'm gonna look, whatever, whatever gets me out of here. I'm down. Yeah, whatever gets me out. Yeah. Am I gonna get shot or teased if I walk out this police station? <laughs> and Danvers sees her, but just doesn't say anything. She's yeah. just she just lets it go from that point. But um, Hawks, meanwhile, is like, what was that all around, uh, all about Pete? And Pete's like, ah, you know, family shit. And um, then he tells the story, uh, Hawks does, of Pete being a little kid and playing on the ice and falling mm -hmm. into it. And this whole thing where he was like, you know, the current was pulling you, so I had to get ahead of you. And 
bash through the ice and grab you and I almost miss, but you know, uh, we, we got you out of there and I got you into my car and, uh, I knew I just had to keep you awake. So I, ju- I just kept talking to you and all the way to the hospital and huh, family stuff. Right. And Pete's like, yeah. And then off he goes and it's like, oh, uh, that's dramatic. Some, yeah. <laughs> someone's not making it out of this episode. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a very see. I look. I look at this as pure manipulation. Um, like it, Hawks is not as silly as you think. I think right to the very end here he is in full manipulation. Oh, you think he's been? I really. I think it's no. Because there no, are a no, couple no. of moments. I I feel like this is sort of like his last moment where it's just like I, things are going bad, but let me at least try to make an effort here. No, 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 no. I think that as he like he is he is a nasty piece of work. He forces his son to kill him. Like, see if you go back and check that scene, his finger is oh, not yeah, on the trigger. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, no, his no, no. finger I, is I, not on the trigger when he lifts that gun up to Danver, so yeah. he forces his kid to shoot him. I knew that part. Yeah, yeah for right. sure. So he is he is basically, he's leaving his kid with that to deal with. Oh, yeah. Is, like, so he's not, a, he is not a good guy. You didn't talk about, like, let's talk about this nice memory about that time I saved your life, like, moments before I traumatized your life for the rest of your existence it's a fucking horrible thing to do like this is yeah he's a miserable piece of shit not defending hawks at all as a good person but as we've seen like characters on this show like bad people have good moments and good people have bad moments and stuff so i felt like this was like a genuine moment of nostalgia for him yeah there was also that i don't i'd like part of me feels like there's it's kind of serving two purposes it's when when crunch time comes Will you hold on to that time that I saved your life, or oh, will right. you? I might need your help, and so I need to remind you of. Yeah, because it comes at like, wh- like, why would that? Like, that's such a weird conversation to have at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're that's right. Such you're a right. We- like, yeah, I, I like all the way through, like from the moment he started singing the blues, I was like, this man's a bad man. Yeah. Um, all right, so- all right, I'm coming around. Uh, okay, so. Then we go to Navarro, who is, uh, Rose has, like, cut through the ice way out in the middle of nowhere so that Navarro can, um... Rose, who is a real person. um, Yes. (laughs) Who exists. (laughs) Exists. He's got the whole maze. Um, yeah, and and so that Navarro can put, uh, Julie's ashes into the water and give her back to the sea, uh, she says, which is really, you know, kind of a sweet thing to say. And Rose is like... Hey, hurry up out here because the weather's going to shit. They're saying it's going to be a category four, whatever that is. Yeah, a category four foreboding storm is coming in. Yes. Um, hope that won't have any impact on the next episode. And all right, so her light starts flickering. Yes. Navarro's does after Rose is walking away. And she hears somebody calling her name, and it's a voice saying, Listen. And she starts to follow and has this like flash of the desert for a second of like she goes back to the combat zone from the first episode. Yeah, from that like the girl who whispered to her that had have her head blown off was like Gus from uh, Breaking (laughs) Breaking Bad. Bad. 
<laughs> and um, and then she flashes back, and she's back in the present, but she is on super thin ice, which means yeah. Duncan, the ice is gonna break. Right, and so she has to get on her belly, and Rose does too, and kind of like get get wide, yeah, uh, so that you stand less of a chance to go through. And uh, Rose finally like throws something out to her and brings her back. And Rose is like, why didn't you hear me calling your name? Yeah. What were you doing? And she's just, you know, uh, I don't know. Because um, Navarro listens to the ghosts that are trying to take her with her. This is what I'm saying. I don't think she's getting out the next episode, Bo. I think she's no long for this world. See, I think that's the bend of her character. She's been like on that journey. And right. I think she she finds redemption. And Danvers finds... You know, like like uh, the way that she can help people in her demise. You know, the, like where she can do the most good. Oh, right. So, but anyway, we'll we'll talk about speculation in a minute. So, uh, but Danvers uh shows up at the Priors and asks to see Leah, and uh, originally just, like once again she owns the house. She just walks in her having a bath absolutely and they're they're talking while she's in the bath and she, and danvers very sweetly i think is like please come home for new year's come on come on come on now go on, come on now <laughs> and leah doesn't agree per se but uh as she's leaving she, she has the most parent line i've ever heard i can say ever yeah and she says liz you know i haven't given up on you and Liz doesn't say anything, and she just leaves. So Danvers takes off. Uh, we see that Hawks is now following her. Yeah. Um, which... He's not very good at it either. Like, he's like the one... <laughs> like, because, like, Danvers heads straight to the police station so she can score some of that capital H. No, 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 she doesn't. She first goes to the morgue, Duncan. She goes to the morgue, yeah. So Leah basically told her in that conversation, do you know... Like, I buy the water. She's like, I know about the fucking water. And she's like, do you know about the stillbirths? And she's like, yeah, I know about the stillbirths. And she's like, nine in the last month. And she's like, nine? Like, yeah, nine stillborn babies. Nine times. Yeah, nine times in the last month. And you have done nothing. Yeah. Uh, So she makes a move to the morgue. Um, A kind of dramatic scene here. She goes in. Basically, what you find out is because the ground is so frozen, like the bodies are just in coffins and storage, um, because they can't dig holes in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes in, she sees like all these tiny little coffins, and it really affects her. Like, you can see her getting, yeah, because yeah. like, this, but this is the, like while she is like, but while she's fucking fumbling around with these cases and trying to like, like deal with all the bullshit that she's happening, there is legitimate crime happening here that the police is not investigating because it you know it's hard to prove uh you know like uh, all this stuff that you know you that the right that the law should be taken care of all the stuff that big corporations and it's a theme all the way through true detective from the first fucking season that is the abuse of people of power money and wealth mm-hmm. to just make problems disappear and i i mean it's in in my eyes it's inevitable now that the theory a kind of partial theory that i floated in our third episode is annie key was investigating the stillborn you know stillborn babies related it back to the mine 
you know, like struck up a, a friendship with the guy at the Salal station, probably found out they were being funded by the same people, ended up in this cave, came across some sort of evidence and was murdered for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think all of that feels right. Yeah. Um. So, but why take her? Anyway, like, why, I'm thinking about why, why taking take her, her tongue. I think he took her tongue. Hawks did? No, I think the crazy guy at the station took her tongue. Oh, Clark. I think he took her tongue because he he felt guilty about what happened and he took okay. that as a kind of partial souvenir. I think that's or if it's the like going back to the she's awake stuff, if yeah. you've been having visions of her because of yeah. his guilt and this is a way for her to to get her to stop talking to him. Possibly. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, I think I, mean, I think he had I think he had it, and I think that's why we found that at the station. I think when we find out what happened, I think he went crazy, uh, probably through guilt. Um, and you know, this is what we fucking did to her. I've got a yeah. fucking tongue, um, which was frozen in their station for God knows how long. Um, and that's what happened. Hmm. I think. So yeah. I mean, then that's what was going we'll on with the tongue. Um, anyway, so, all right. So uh, after Liz uh, checks out the stillborn babies, um, uh, and that that probably she is... she pulls a McConaughey from season one of True Detective, and that instead instead of going in for a big bag bag of cocaine, she goes in and she removes heroin from mm -hmm. the from the evidence room. And when she comes out, she bumps right into John Hawks, who's just standing there in the worst. I will follow you. Uh, I'm tailing a suspect. Um, yeah, like, just like, and it's awkward and it's fumbly and she like walks right up to him. She gets in his face and um, she's like, like, what did you say about the Wheeler case? And he's like, the huh? <laughs> Yeah, to Doctor Who. Like, you, yeah. I know you talked to Doctor Who. You told him all about it, didn't yeah. you, you piece of and, shit? Yeah, she grabs Pete and takes Pete into the room and then we get like maybe the most intense like ask the right question session we've had in this entire series. And this is where you really find out Pete is a fucking great cop. Because mm -hmm. he wouldn't let go. She basically, mm -hmm. she says, start asking questions. And he's like that. Well, you know, what happened? And he's like, wrong question. Wrong question. Well, wrong question. Ask, yeah, ask the right question. And uh, he's like, well, did you, did you maybe like, she's like, wrong question. Like, he doesn't even get the full question out. It's like, and she's like, wrong question. Did you the wrong question like this? And basically he he finally hits on the right question, which is do you remember what the right question mm -hmm. is? Did you know Wheeler was left-handed? There we go. And she's like, huh. Right. Um, and then we, we get his rationale behind it. Basically, what we the way I interpret this, I'd be interested to see if you interpret it different. Mm -hmm. The way I interpret this is the they've been called out there several times and hadn't done anything, mm -hmm. right? There'd been a lot of inaction. Is what he's saying from the evidence here the reason, like the they hadn't done anything, is because she was prone to hurting herself, or did I pick that up wrong? Yeah, it's a little confusing because they get he, Pete gets into this all this business about how the the pictures were flipped. Yes. Yeah, I, I got that. So basically what they were saying is, like, you said that he shot himself. Uh, he right. shot her. Right? 
but he couldn't have shot her because Wheeler was left-handed. And I found out like the way like the where bruises were and all the subsequent like case pictures before they all came from the opposite side. So they like it almost like she'd hit herself. Mm. So you know, I, I then checked the picture. I went back and checked her yearbook photo, and the 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 crime scene photos that you have of her dead. The birthmark is on the wrong side. Okay. If she had shot, if she like if she had been shot, um, you know, it would make sense. But she killed herself. That's how I interpret it. She committed suicide. Right, and so they leapt to the wrong conclusion. They Bill killed Wheeler. him, and when they then saw what I think Navarro shot thingy, and then I think sure. Danvers, yeah, I think Danvers put it together and then falsified evidence to get Navarro out. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, Which is also why I don't think Danvers is going to die in the next episode. Yeah. I think Danvers is going to take the fall for it in the next episode. Hmm. I think that's the sort of thing that's going to come up. I think there's going to be uh like Pete knows about that. She knows about that. It's clearly it clearly weighs on her. Mm-hmm. And I think she will confess that at the end. Plus, fucking, what's his tits knows about it? Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And well, he, he, he's, he, like, he, he's not going to go away on that one. He's ultimately, regardless what comes out, the woman in the mine is not going to take the fall. McKittridge is going to be safe because it's true detective and no one at the top ever takes the fall. It's all the people below. So I think it's, it, follows, it follows a thread. She'll take the fall at the end of this. Okay, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I think somebody. Yeah, I I think you're right. I don't think this is the season where suddenly True Detective ends with the good guys winning yeah. an unquestionable victory. Yeah, like even season one, they they hadn't really won. <laughs> like like they, they survived. They survived that bout, but the there was an international pedophile fucking like scheme out there. They just managed to close the chapter that was on the, their doorstep. Right. They didn't like they didn't stop it. Um season two, everyone died except fucking Rachel McAdams, who mm. like pretty much died, but everyone else died. The the guy from John Carter of Mars, he fucking perished horribly. Um Vince Vaughn died bleeding out in the fucking desert and Farrell, yeah and Colin Farrell couldn't even text his son. Uh, to tell me I loved him. He got fucking shot in some woods. And then in season three, there's that insinuation that as happy as that ending is, it might not be everything that happened. So... So, uh, like, yeah. they don't, none of them have happy endings. So, no, 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 no. I, like, I don't think Issa Lopez like, is going like, to come in here and be like, you know what, I'm going to give it the Disney ending. Right. Um, well, because notoriously tigers are not afraid one of the happiest endings ever it's another one where, like i sat in a cinema with grown men bawling mm-hmm. their fucking eyes out watching the end of that movie sure yeah i was one of them i cried my not eyes out at the end of the, that movie. one single solitary bit of moisture in my tear ducts when that movie finished because i have a heart of stone yeah you, because yeah <laughs> You there is something broken inside you. 
It is not. That is not a badge of honor. That is. Yeah, I, our, our, my daughter was recently, um, a slight aside, uh, there was a, a, a relatively emotional advert that was on the telly, and, I, and my wife cries at everything. Mm. Um, and we're sitting on the couch, and I kind of looked around, and I was like, oh, winter. I was like, here come the waterworks. Uh, and she's like, is my mum crying? And she's like, yeah, I'm crying. And I was like, your mum cries at everything. And she turned around, and she was like, that's because I'm not an emotionalist monster like you. Niagara like, Falls, Frankie. I was like, it's kind of right in the button there. <laughs> she called it, she saw it, and she's right. Um, not here at all. But yeah, like this, so I can't remember how we were relating this. But yeah, I think I think ultimately, is Ian going to have a happy? I think Danvers will take the fall at the end. Okay. All right. All I also right. think the battle's going to die just for shits and giggles. Um, yeah, I, well, you know how I feel about this. All right, so, yeah. so anyway, uh, so, um, so like you basically, she explains it all to Pete, and Pete's yeah. about to push forward, and she's like, That no, this conversation is now closed. And she's like, Oh, and by the way, the password on your, your laptop, I'm guessing it's this because your dad's been accessing it because you've been staying with him, and he's been going through your computer to dig up dirt on me. Because I told you before, he may act silly, but he is not. Mm-hmm. It, the, the one thing in this whole episode that I felt like a bad note to me mm. was uh, this bit with the password. Because it's like, well, we've established that Pete is kind of somewhat tech savvy. Yeah. And using his kid's birthday is the most obvious password in the world. So why on earth would somebody who knew at least a little something about this use such a terrible password yeah and i mean it's it's fine at the end of the day it's not that big a deal but it, it felt like not pete you know like pete would be yeah. if he's the one that they hand a phone to and like figure this out and hack it and get it working again yeah then he would know to ch- not have you would think yeah, but then it, sometimes people are really lazy with their computers maybe but it, uh what she does say to him is as smart as you are pete you you haven't yet learned when to stop asking questions, Doctor yeah. Lecter. And anyway, so then she gives him a key because, of course, she does. Yeah, and she basically says, "Listen, you can't stay with your dad anymore. Like, and I know that you can't stay in my house because divorce. However, there is the shed out the back, and you're welcome to stay there as long as you want. But get out of that house and get away from your dad. Yeah, and I don't have to see you. You don't have to see me. Yeah. Like." You are you have your own space, even though it's just like this. And this totally sets up the end. It's so yes. fucking good. It's still good. So she takes off. Then Hawks comes over to Pete. It's like, hey, what was all that about? Hey, Buckaroo, <laughs> my, my boy. And, Remember that yeah. time I pulled you from the ice? You almost died. Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, and Pete's like, don't fucking touch me. And, you know, get out of here. I don't want to see yeah. you. And so Hawks <laughs> is like, what'd I do? And then yeah. leaves. He's always like, John Hawks in, in this, not in everything. He's of fucking course. excellent. He's great, and and that kind of dopey, like what you know, like that look that he he throws at Pete is, and I think you're right. I think that in particular is really manipulative. Yeah, um, but he's also it's all, it's, it's all built up, like because he doesn't. Know, this is the the key to what is going to happen at the end of this episode is he does not know that Danvers has given him a key to stay in the back cabin because if he did know that if this conversation had went differently um and he found out that information there's absolutely no way 
that Hank pulls what he's about to pull at Danvers' house. A hundred percent. Um, so we do have a moment where uh Navarro shows up at Cavic's, and I like the fact that he's the little spoon when she gets into bed with him. <laughs> and I'm like, I dig that. I, you know, as a, a six foot plus tall man, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been the little spoon, and I feel like I should have been at some point. <laughs> Um, um, there is a there is a, a very 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 funny theory mm-hmm. um, about this particular um, scene, uh, and that Kavik, whose name apparently is I think it's uh, Inuit for wolf. Okay, yeah, because yeah, there there's a book called Kavik the Wolf Dog. I remember reading yeah. when I was a kid. And um, he's reading. Did you see what he was reading? He's reading uh, in his hand. He's reading "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf?" Oh, that's fun. Right, the play. But apparently, like, I don't know, it's a whole fucking like mega, 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 mega thread on Reddit about this. Uh, I, I've never seen the play, but "Who Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf?" is the story of a couple mm-hmm. who pretend that they have a child, and when they're confronted about it, they claim that the child died in a car accident. And there was assumptions that, like, you're doing the feast that I was doing, and I was like that. But we know that, like, Holden is a real person because he's been referenced in this show. And I think this is just Issa Lopez having some fun, which I kind of love. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to put this in here because I know how the internet works and people are going to look into this a lot further than they necessarily should. Or, or maybe even like, hey, here's this guy who sort of belongs in the area, and he hmm. he's like at peace in this land. Yeah. And well, also like the fact that it tells a story about a very kind of a dysfunctional couple, mm-hmm. and that could be Navarro and Kavik. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you may not have to read too deeply into this. Yeah, like, that. I wouldn't read deeply at all into. I just think it's. I just think it's fun that the like someone spent a long time yeah. going. I've cracked it. Eureka! With one of those, like, beautiful mind yarn. <laughs> you know, a red to... web on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kavik is actually the name of a wolf, and wolves, as we know, are furry furries, as we know, go to conventions. Ah, this all ends at a convention. So, anyway, but Danvers goes to the lighthouse yeah. um, uh, to get Heiss out of there. And of course, she has a little bit of yayo, <laughs> conja, clean burning propane in her pocket, and she uh, gets about there. Is like we're going back to my place, Doctor Hess, and uh, he's like, "Well, give me the heroin." She's like, "Oh, I'm not stupid. You don't get that yet." <laughs> and so she calls Navarro uh, to to say to meet it uh, to tell Navarro to meet danvers at her place yeah and um that she's got eyes that heist and they're gonna go to the ice caves and if i was like i thought we were out of this she's like yeah well things change so get to my place <laughs> and so navarro is like tells kavik like hey i gotta go and um heist uh, like one of the things that danvers makes uh high show her is like show me the place we're going yeah. Before I give you this baggie and you go to yeah, the bathroom. Just in case you don't survive the next five minutes. <laughs> right, in case you pop your last balloon. <laughs> like Sam Stone from that John Prine song. Yeah. 
but there's also the part like he is about to like shoot up drugs as well. So there is obviously a chance he might OD with that as well. So just give me the information first. Right. And so Navarro's on her way and we get a weird moment where a little kid stops in the middle of the street and points at her mm -hmm. like all the ghosts have done. And we get some yes. flashes of that. And then his mom is like, quit being creepy. Come on. We got to go home. <laughs> yeah. You're a real child and not like a ghost. Yeah. You're not a grudge baby. We have grudge away. <laughs> We have graduated. We pay our subscription. Right. I'm, I'm paid up through January. I mean, we're fine. It's nice. It's just a thing you plug into the wall and it sends out a little signal or whatever. And uh, the, the ghosts hate it. It's it's the same. It, it just plays over and over again. Those little, like, two notes that Vinkman plays when he goes into Dana Barrett's apartment. It's like, oh, they hate this. And it turns out he was right. They do hate that. <laughs> it's a long way to go for that joke anyway so danvers is at her place here's a car door open yep. and thinks it's navarro and in fact goes to the door and is kind of opening it and in walks john hawks yeah and uh he's like hey i'm sorry to bother you and everything but uh you know uh I, doctor who called me and told me to bring otis heiss in yeah and she's like um how did you know he was here? He's like, oh, he's here? I just came to yeah. ask you. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just thought maybe. Uh, but now that I know that, uh, you know, come with me, Otis. Because uh, Otis High says yeah. come out. And Danvers immediately steps between them. It's like, how about I give him a call? Because this all seems real fucking weird. Yeah. And I think, like, my, my theory on this is this is a too far for him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna. I think up. he. I think he was gonna. I think you know, but says it that you know maybe you know. Like, I think he was gonna set this up that there'd be an altercation between the two and he'd save the day, thus ascending to the position of chief, mm -hmm. um, and like getting everything he ever wanted, and he would have got away with it too, Bo, if it hadn't been for that Pete in the shed. Um, <laughs> so Danvers, I, I like the fact that the whole time she's like. Whatever's going on, we can fix it, okay? Yeah. Listen, Dr. Lecter, you don't have to shoot anybody here. <laughs> and um, But Heist makes a break. Every day you will walk in the beach. Yeah. You will have, like, supervised. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Look, Plum Island, wasn't John, it? it was Plum yeah, that's right. John Hawks, you don't have to do this. You will. <laughs> you will have a view from yourself. You will get one hour on the beach. Supervised, of course. <laughs> Plum Island, was that you? Lovely touch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he shoots Heiss, who has made a break for it. Right in the, right in the head. Like, so Heiss ain't coming back. Well, right? but he's still flopping around a little bit, and <laughs> Hawks goes over and puts another bullet in him to finish yep. the job. Um, and, of course, those two gunshots are enough to stir anyone in a shed out the back of course um, yeah so yeah like he's standing over the body and then he kind of turns on danvers with a gun and that's when pete comes in and god bless danvers like she is like literally two pete like, like she is like john dell's got the upper hand like she is like, yeah. like she's like that think like be smart think, think about, about this, this be smart about this right yeah. everybody needs to drop their guns this is like 
things are wildly spinning yeah. out of control here. We can still fix this. I think. I think even. I think Danvers is even. There's a part of Danvers that's even resigned to the fact that if, if fucking Hank shoots her, Pete can always arrest Hank. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? You still get justice. Still like she's done some shit. Um, and you can arrest him that way. If you kill him, you can't take that back. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't. You can't do that. And of course. The, the, the ultimate, I think at this point it all dawns on Hank how royally fucked everything is. As soon as Pete walks in yeah. the door, he's I like, think he's oh, resigned himself. Is... Yeah, there, I think there's... he's resigned himself at that point of I either kill her and he's on side with me, or he puts me down. I I slightly disagree. I think that there's a moment of optimism, and there's a there is a specific moment where Pete or not Pete, but uh, where uh, Hank knows he's fucked. Yeah, and it's but so he he keeps asking Pete to help him. Yeah, because he's like, "Hey, look, the I know what this looks like, but look, I just need you to help me. Like, we got to get rid of this body. Help, Remember help me." Remember, I told you when you were freezing in the water. Right, and I spoke to you all the way in the car. Remember, I told you that five minutes ago. Yeah, and and it's when he says something to the effect of, "You don't want to do this," and then he says, "Son," and yeah. it's the moment he says, "Son," that you see the look on Pete's face change. Where it goes from, I like this whole thing has gotten out of control to, oh, how dare you call me that in this moment? Yeah. Where and it's the, it, it like it, Dennis, it, it might as well be Dennis Hopper asking for the cigarette in True Romance. Like, like Hank knows he is done. He knows yeah. he's about to die. I was, I'm glad, I'm glad you were going there. I was going with the Goonies. Um... <laughs> Where, where, where she's like that, you know, like, well, the cradle will fall. And he's like, fall? Bad? And she's like, oh, no, slothy sloth. Um, Mama, you've been bad. bad. Um, it's how our brains work. Our brains just work different. They just uh, yeah. work different. But yeah, like, he, he, I think he resigns himself. But this is, this is what I said. This is what I mean before. He's either prepared to fully drag his son into committing a fucking heinous crime and putting down Danvers which he will have to live with for the rest of his life mm-hmm. or alternatively kill his own dad now I also want to stress as well I think like there is a scenario here where Pete just hits him in the shoulder um, and Hawk like, like Hank survives uh, and he's arrested for what he's done he didn't have to shoot him in the head like just a, there's a, maybe a slight overreaction here like he could have like shot him in the arm disarmed him and taken him in mm-hmm. but Pete chose violence and um, I, you see it though Hank lifts yeah. the gun but his finger is not on the trigger he's resigned himself to the fact he's going to get his is this suicide by cop yeah well and he's he like he prefaces all this with well there's something that you should know yeah <laughs> and like he's going to unburden himself right before this last moment he, yeah. he says there's something that you, that you ought to know I didn't kill Annie Kay. I yeah. just moved the body. And then he says, Pete, I'll always love you. And then lifts the gun. Yeah. And Pete shoots him in the fucking head. Yep. And as soon as it happens, Pete just kind of squats down mm-hmm. in, in position and Danvers like goes over and it, it's very maternal. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh man, like you are fucked. Your head is so fucked right now. Um, and then Navarro shows up because of yeah. course she does. 
And um, but Navarro like looks at this situation very much the same way that I imagine they looked at the situation when Wheeler was shot. Um, because she's like, right, we need to clean this up and get rid go. of the body right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they basically kind of they they parse out very quickly a plan of like Hank is just going to disappear. Like, yes, yeah. like they're not going to find the body. They're going to find nothing. He's just not going to be here anymore. And Pete, you need to like you. Uh, Danvers at first says that she's going to clean, and then Pete's like, "No, I should clean," because he kind of snaps it a little bit. Um, and I don't know. Like, there's it, it's kind of like like that that's going to disappear. But I think, like I said before, I think there's a reckoning coming on the Wheeler case, and I think it kind of has to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like there's too much now. No, I think as soon as Doctor Who found out that information. And you've got to think that McKittrick will know about that information at some point. Um, it's out there now, and someone has to take the fall for that. I reckon it's going to be her. Um, but yeah, like we we end this episode, Bo, with Pete cleaning his father's blood from the ground, um, being told to take the body to Rose because Rose will know what to do. Uh, which, once again, Rose is a real person. Like, I don't know these people like that, clearly, because Pete's not like, who's Rose? Yeah. That old woman that died years ago? Um, but yeah, take it. Rose will help you get rid of the body. And we finish this with Danvers and um, Navarro in the cop car, racing off to the ice through a fucking snowstorm credits. Mm-hmm. Oof! Mm-hmm. A great fucking episode. A great fucking yeah. episode. Really fun, really fun episode. Um, and we've, we've been mixing in some speculation along the way, but, yeah. uh, but I, you know, I, I think what happens is we go to the cave. I think we've been right about all of this, that Annie K was onto some environmental shenanigans, which has caused everybody to have these visions and to yeah. see the dead in Ennis. Um, and yeah. And then it's just going I to think, come I think to... what is likely to be in the caves is evidence of whatever is in the water. Yeah, it's just barrels of some shit or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's to me makes sense. Yeah, like that's she came across that she like she found it out through a relationship with what's his face, um, that the NS station is drilling boreholes and storing the toxic waste from. Oh, as a front that's interesting so what is so if that is the scenario though let's get to a couple of big questions yeah what is or what or who is the she's awake i don't know okay I, that's yeah. the one thing i it's the one thing i don't know it's the one thing that doesn't make sense to me in my head if the salal station is purely a front for this then they have been helping dispose of the I think those guys did die from a polar event or something. I think I think Crazy Man went crazy inside the building um, for whatever reason. I think there was a power cut. I think they all went outside. Um, maybe he chased them. I don't know. Um, and they froze to death. And they were moved. I think the thing that doesn't make sense is the clothes. And I still think there's going to be a thing to do with the cleaners on that one, but I don't think they were involved with the murder. Um, or, like, the environmentalists show up and do something. They sabotage the power supply to the building because they've worked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think the member I said before, like they took fingerprints way back. That's come to nothing, but of those fingerprints, there was fingers missing on a character. She appeared in this episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. She was in the laundromat when Kavik was there. Why is she back for like like all of three seconds? Um, she's in the background of this. I think she helps dispose of the bodies somehow. Huh. Or she comes across okay. them and I think they take them away from wherever they are to somewhere else um, and leave them out there. I don't think that's... That's not the mystery. I think the mystery still is what happened to, to Annie Kay and I think that's ultimately what we're going to find is, you know, she went down there. She was discovered maybe by the Salal folk. I think they probably killed her. Um, I think it kind of destroyed the brain of her boyfriend who became more ostracized in, in there. Maybe there's a confession to someone about it. I don't know that we haven't seen yet. Um, and yeah, the, the, you know, people have taken vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, on board with all of that but also i you know i i think both of us interestingly we're not far off we're not far off i think it's just the the who's walking out of this episode yeah is where we diverge a little bit i just think navarro i think she i think all the ghosts are trying to get her to go um whereas like the other ones we've seen other characters interact with just kind of live with it so well i think it's because the other ones that they're seeing are not ghosts or hallucinations i think navarro sees ghosts okay well that's what i was getting to is is are we going to get confirmation or as as close to confirmation as true detective will ever get that there is in fact a supernatural element to all of this i think so yeah i think i think that i think i think we i think we in part have that i think there's absolutely no way rose finds the bodies without Travis crossing the veil and doing mm-hmm. the fire what with me dance um out to where the bodies are buried. So I think that I think there is I think this particular season is all but saying that ghosts are real. And you can tap into that. The same way that you know fucking Rustin Cole could smell the psychosphere. Um I think it's the you know there's a tangible element that exists beyond the reality that some characters in this season can tap into. I think the only two that can tap into are Rose Agnew and um, Navarro are the only two. I think everyone else is seeing things because there's toxins in the water. Okay, all right. That's my theory. Okay, I mean, I I I, I like it. Um, yeah. I'm just... I also think the the. The noise that we heard in the caves mm-hmm. of our screaming and the roaring is a polar bear, though. Yeah, I think well, that's a polar bear that loses the eye. Yeah, right. And maybe Annie Kay. I think she survives that. I think they yeah. save her, and then she maybe threatens them. They save her. They shoo away the bear, and then maybe she thre- like, "I know what you've done. That's why I was down here." And then they're like, "Oh, we've got to kill this woman," um, or something along those lines. Oh, we got to kill this one. <laughs> oh boy, I hate when that happens. But yeah, like I, I, I'm, I am in for this. This has been a quick fucking six episodes. Yeah, yeah, but I'll yeah, tell yeah. you right now, Bo. There's one episode left, and they have to somehow cram it into an hour, which I don't know how they're going to do. Um, they need to answer a lot, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you. Um, I feel like I've got a lot of questions, and I don't need every single thing answered, but you know, most things, <laughs> I guess. 
Yeah, um, well, they never answer everything, but if they could answer the main things, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. And and for the record, uh, I'm looking now, uh, one hour, 16 minutes. So the longest episode. Ooh, Ooh. So we're getting an extra 15 minutes. Yep. Uh, so that does my heart good, Bo. That yeah. does my heart good. So, you know, little mini movie, not quite full length, but, but darn near it. Disney length, at least. Yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of Disney, Duncan, um, yes. where can, I don't know, um, where can people uh, find more out of you and all of your delightful uh, family centric entertainment? You're, you're only saying that because you know that today I dropped an episode on Cannibal Holocaust. Uh-huh. Um yeah, so uh, Podcast Under the Stairs officially back after a couple of weeks away because I've been working away from home. Um, so yeah, I'm doing a group of Italian collection reviews. Um, the first one that dropped um, on uh, teapotscast.com or Podcast Under the Stairs on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts is on the 4K UHD print of Cannibal Holocaust released by 88 Films, which is jaw-droppingly good. The quality on that cut is fucking phenomenal like better than that movie should ever look um and yeah so i i uh i did a review on that there'll be more coming along those lines uh speaking of disney though linking this back in um disney acquired a company called hulu and hulu as of tomorrow the day after we're recording uh dropped the first episode of that shogun tv show which looks Fucking incredible. I have heard good things about that. Ooh, that sounds good. That's how you get me in, Boransdale. That's how you get me in. So yes, I'll be uh, I'll be jumping on the, the Shogun bandwagon. Uh but yeah, Teapot's cast, podcast under the stairs. Just Google it, you'll find it. Great. Uh and if you want to hear more out of this, uh just uh drop by the darkparade.com. Uh we have we have shifted Duncan. Uh, we aren't doing crocheting anymore. <laughs> oh, well, that didn't last um, long. <laughs> yeah. It, it, look, I think we can all agree it was probably not the best option for a horror podcast mm. to also do uh, crocheting. Uh, so instead, we are now doing uh, fishmongery. <laughs> so if you're interested in fish sales, fish preparation for sale. Yeah. Great link into I Know What You Did Last Summer yeah. with the Fisherman. I see what you're doing, Bob. Yeah. Synchronicity. <laughs> so, uh, please uh, drop by, and uh, not only will you hear more about uh, the fishmonger lifestyle, but also horror movies, and who doesn't like that? So, Everyone yeah. like that. <laughs> All right, and so uh, the last order of business then is for me to say, uh, say good night, Duncan. Eh, uh, good night, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go watch the finale. <laughs> yeah.